Saturday night at eight o'clock. I know where I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pick my baby up and take her to the picture show. Everybody in the neighborhood is dressing up to be there too. Cast out a Hollywood And the popcorn from the candy stand Makes it all seem twice as good There's always lots of pretty girls With figures they don't try to hide But they never can compare To the girl sitting by my side Saturday night at the movies When you're with your baby, last row in the balcony. So, uh, okay, so, yeah, um, Under the Silver Lake is another movie by the guy who made It Follows, which is, like, a really well-done horror movie. So, uh, after he made that movie, he had a lot of creative... He, okay, so basically that movie did really well. The people, the studios, seeing the success of It Follows kind of gave this guy free reign to make his next movie, and this is what he chose to make. It's kind of an interest. It's very different than his last movie. It's kind of interesting. Maybe we should go briefly over like what the general yeah. idea of this is. Sort of more of an urban myth, fairy tale kind of kind of mm-hmm. fable, more so than fairy tale, I should say. God, I'm really yeah. starting to. I'm really starting to verbalize my comments like the on cinema stuff. I really need to stop watching that. I really caught myself. I, I... Yeah, so this is kind of an in unofficial sequel to, uh, uh, let's see. Oh, so Chinatown. many things. I actually have a bunch uh, of... Or La La actually... Land. It's kind of like, it's an unofficial sequel to La La Land in that it takes place in LA and it's about Hollywood. And basically that's all we need to really tie it's it together. Really about like, Hollywood. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, of course it's not. That's, that's a stupid comparison to make. Yeah, it's not about so, so much like, it's not about like motion pictures, you know. It's not a movie it's about, about the, the movie making process. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sort of more from like a millennial artist, general artist perspective, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. We're too soon. Continue with your summary. So yeah. I guess basically you can describe this movie as there's this horny loser who like for some reason has like a shit shit life and he's obsessed with codes and he thinks that uh, there are codes, there are secret messages and everything. And obviously, you know, like, he's never found anything uh, that would be silly. But he meets this girl, and she disappears, and he feels compelled to figure out 
what happened to her. And in the process, he finds there is some codes and secret messages in this, inside the media he's uh, experiencing. And at the same time, he's kind of traveling through LA, through Hollywood and seeing all of these kind of like aspiring stars, aspiring like movie people in their culture and just kind of like he goes to all these crazy parties which are like i don't know full of just all like random women doing crazy stuff i don't know it's very interesting i didn't do a very good summary right there <laughs> i lost uh i would say if the, i would uh, update a couple details it. there yeah uh, the key element is that this mysterious woman he meets is like opposite him in his apartment complex right he has a a high chemistry almost romantic but not quite sexual and evening with um, promises to see her the next day. And then herself and her roommates the next day are completely moved out. The apartment is empty, save for one shoebox full of a couple items, which another person comes to collect starting Andrew yeah. Garfield, our protagonist on his quest of, uh, of amateur sleuthing and um, downright stalking, frankly. Yeah. Um, on his quest to discuss, uncover the mystery. Yeah, basically Andrew Garfield meets this woman, she disappears, and he feels compelled to figure out what happened to her. And uh, he kind of falls like falls into the uh, like the web. all this undercover, this web of Hollywood secrets. Yeah, exactly. The movie really to me felt kind of I hate to ta- to to use this term. I hate to use this term, but it kind of felt like Lynchian to me. Um it's definitely it's definitely got those Mulholland Drive like wannabe vibes for sure. Yeah, and I think it's one of those movies that more of it is about kind of like the feeling you're supposed to get and kind of like the meta of like what's happening than the actual details of the story all the time. So there's a lot of like p- plot threads that get introduced that kind of like add to this atmosphere, add to this like tone, add to like the general themes. I think that don't really get resolved or like come back to. I can see how in a lot of ways that could be like a detriment to the movie. There is a lot packed into here, but I think it's kind of like, think of the beginning of Mulholland Drive where there's that actually the same character, except this guy, the guy who has the zine who gets murdered by the owl's kiss is the same guy from the beginning of Mulholland Drive who sees the dirty black hobo. Um, and by this way, he is not African American. He is covered <laughs> in soot mm-hmm. and he shows back up in Tw- Twin Peaks season three. But that's the same guy. Oh my but god! It, it's a kind of a similar wait, scene. Wait, wait, yeah. wait! Does that tie twin the Twin Peaks and Mahalan Drive universe into one? Is it the same universe? I think it does. Actually, is there, is there because, a Lynchian? Yes, exactly. Is there a Lynchian extended universe? <laughs> oh shit! I think I think that's what that is. The, L- like, the like, LCU, <laughs> the DLCU. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, fuck, fuck the FCU. Fuck We're on the LCU. I yeah, that's, so that's, I have I have a couple of uh, movie inspirations. Um, through for some pretty obvious. Obviously, there are the couple of rear window moments. Um, mm-hmm. That's pretty on the nose. Um, and the Mulholland Drive, which you mentioned. Um, even to take another Hitchcockian step, the you know the mysterious woman being this kind of like blonde, you know, the attractive blonde who hides a lot of intrigue. Um, yeah, very Hitchcockian concept. But also the the one that felt most you know, shared the most commonalities for me is Inherent Vice, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, um, writing and directing and adapting that Thomas Pynchon novel, which has got sort of a similar, like, you know, 70s, but it's like sprawling. Well, this is more modern, but sort of in a 90s aesthetic. Um, mm-hmm. 
sort of like sprawling 70s like stoner stoner private P- pi sort of also entangling this sort of surreal web of conspiracy um throughout hollywood um the greater los angeles area and it's like also doesn't really it's very hard to follow plot wise you know it's sort of more about the general experience and world that you're given something i usually like for the record uh, movies that you know like a like a big lebowski another sort of la <laughs> sleuthing experience where you know yeah. nothing really means anything um things are just style happening. yeah a style that i'm often fond of and i don't like this movie as much i think honestly inherent vice if i'm gonna plug a movie that's a movie to check mm-hmm. in inherent vice is fucking awesome it's so good but this movie i did not like nearly as much and i'll get into some of those things first but maybe we should start with uh the positive positive reception yeah i would say that i think i think this first of all i think this movie was shot really well and shot like really like really engaged like the beginning a lot of some the beginning shots just establishing like him and the character are like so like these long wide panning shots and all sorts of um i really remember specifically when he was in the bookstore at the beginning look and he found the zine mm-hmm. they did like the uh, the monster cam shot up into him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's did like a, fun. yeah, uh, like a long 270. Although the one thing I couldn't help but focus on in that very opening like frame is that woman who's trying to scrub off the dog. She was not wearing leather. a bra. Oh, really? that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> Hilarious. Not what I, was gonna say. I thought that was part of the LA thing. <laughs> it probably was. What I was going to say is that when she's scraping the, the, trying to scrape the letters of the dog killer off, she's mm-hmm. clearly not doing any, like she just has a towel and she's just rubbing. There's no, it's not doing anything. Now. Yeah. It's just, it's very staged. That, that bugged me. So no, but the moment I realized like, Oh, this is going to be wackier than I thought was one fifty-seven in the movie. One minute, 57 seconds that like when he's walking back, stumbling back to his apartment complex and there's that like crazy, like dolly in on him what looks like it's just going to be a wide shot and then it suddenly goes pushes in on him really fast and then yeah. in the same shot like pans 90 degrees up and then the squirrel falls and then it's just like this oh weird, yes like that weird little puppet oh, that goes about that. this is like a real like and i was like what the fuck <laughs> like, yeah yeah, that, that was an early moment uh, where you realized that this was going to be pretty fucking weird. And it kind of reminds me of, like, yeah, the beginning of, like, maybe Blue Velvet or something where there's that shot of, like, all the bugs below. And it's just kind of, like, an establishing this sort of, like, nasty... Yeah, and then right after he gets freaked out by that, they have this weird sort of, like, handheld camera tracking him through the hallway, like, sort of, like, at diagonal angles, just sort of following him from behind. And it was, I just noticed, like, right away, that was, like, a weird sort of mixing of stylistic... Uh, camera work that sort of caught me off guard. Like things I like p- paired back to back kind of threw me, which I suppose is the, the intention yeah. there. But it really puts you at a place where like you're kind of unsure what <laughs> like anything thematically or, or structurally or cinematography wise is sort of in play here in any yeah, exactly. any sequence. Certainly going for, really going for it here. Like the ambition, all credit to the ambition here because it's like clearly put a lot of thought into into the sort of world building and like tying things together. Um, just generally on that same macro scale, I like sort of the quirky like s- settings and like characters that he sort of throws in like Balloon Girl, who is yeah. actually credited as Balloon Girl. <laughs> um, the pirate 
that keeps popping the pirate up. Pirate was amazing. Like, we never meet. Strange... Those yeah. sorts of things. I was like, those are the things that like really hooked me. The death of the evil Knievel type, who like we don't know until the very end, basically like what the hell does this have to do with anything? And the <laughs> that actor, what's his name? What's the actor's name from <laughs> McPoyle? <laughs> oh um, yeah, uh, Jimmy Jimmy sims yeah and he's in westworld too the yeah he's just who's funny in that role and but it's just like all these very particular zany types that don't really operable hip la hipster types right and i also like things like it does also does like really good work keeping andrew garfield's character's background like as minimal like it gives you no unnecessary exposition dumps which is like always one of my yeah and you know any movie person's like least favorite thing like you know we pretty obviously aren't supposed to never find out what he does for work everyone's like you work well he doesn't yeah clearly yeah but what what was his job (laughs) i think he's like allowed to be in those artistic circles yeah it implies he was probably some kind of aspiring actor but that's kind of part of the interesting part of it because we i like that that we, we never know we kind of like find him at a part where like his at a point in his life where his life like seems to have fallen apart like a while ago and that like the fact that like we never get much on that and yeah. like you said there isn't any sort of expository expository dump is really honestly so refreshing like very impressive and you know great sense yeah, yeah and introducing the you know the the ex-girlfriend like yeah three-fourths of the way into the movie like that was a pretty much like i didn't and that being like the face on the billboard right the by billboard his place. lady yeah you yeah, never get explained that it finally tells you like yeah, yeah that was that those are like those moments of like really hard-earned knowledge yeah. for the for the audience but so yeah i liked all and liked all those that, things on that i think i just want to add i just want to add that like even though they don't do an expository dump and don't tell you much about him like you you get such a good sense of his character just through like completely nonverbal, just the way he acts. Like mm-hmm. he's always like, like the camera. He's always staring at women. He's always like jacking off. He's like such. He's just a horny loser. And and like yeah. they never tell you that. You just like it's so obvious. Yeah, and that, Andrew like, Garfield type. That kind of sucks. Yeah. I also oh one more character I loved, homeless king, phenomenal. So good. How yeah. good is that guy? Oh, what was that line after? Yeah, it was when, it was when, you know, we all think he's gonna kill andrew garfield yeah and and then he goes you know because they've been sort of that that subtle undercurrent throughout that we've like sort of meant to believe a little bit that garfield is the one who's killing the dogs like yeah like all of the evidence is planted there and it's like seems like the obvious conclusion and then when he's not and just like how relieved the homeless king is he just goes like okay yeah you're good (laughs) i thought that was yeah well that's interesting because like yeah, like there is a lot of evidence planted that it is him. Yeah. And like yeah. his explanation seems like it could ring true and it rang true enough for him, but like I don't know. Like it's he still could be. It's like there's yeah. enough planted there that it could be him as well. Like he's talking mm-hmm. about he broke up with his girlfriend and he's always carrying around the dog treats for his dog. Maybe that mm-hmm. broke him and he's been yeah. and he has a lot of times where he's like dreaming and like out of like sorts and like super yeah, when he keeps having uh, dreams of those dead dogs too. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, there's definitely um, there's definitely a lot of that of that evidenced. Um, and uh, oh, another thing that's like, you know, maybe frustrating to some people that I like about sort of the not lack of like conclusion and 
revealing mystery, never figuring out what the fuck the parrot's saying. Yeah, that was so good. That was so good. Because uh, Andrew Garfield's whole character, his thing is he's trying to find the meaning yeah. and stuff. And then they're just and like at the very end of the movie, he like just asks and he's like, "What is it?" And she's like, "Oh, I don't, I don't know, I don't give yeah, a fuck." And he's like, "There just isn't a meaning." You know, in one end, I do feel like I've. I don't know. That's a clu- conclusion I think I've seen plenty of times before, so it didn't like strike me as like a, you know, too original an idea. But, and I almost think maybe the movie suffers from like one or two too many of those like mm-hmm. points, like the dog killer and the parrot and the, you know, what is this all mean? What is this? Yeah. Another thing which I'm amazed I've forgotten to talk about because the image of it itself, deeply disturbing. The I way like the owl's kiss walks, that so woman, cool. the owl woman yeah. walks, so cool. is like so unnerving. Yeah, like, that was absolutely, look- I love, I love the image of that. I think that was, and honestly, like, I would watch a movie where that's like the central plot. Well, that's, that's <laughs> interesting because that owl's kiss segment is probably the closest in tone to It Follows. It's basically like a little chunk of It Follows in that movie because the monster in It Follows never runs. It always just kind of like slowly walks towards you and that just something about it is so unnerving. But I think Um, that speaks to like just the fact that and much I enjoyed that single slice that's those couple sequences. You know, the one where he's watching the videotape and the one where it's actually happening in his apartment. The fact that I've forgotten that is maybe an indicator that there's just too much in this movie. Like, and I think it verges on, it verges on convoluted like a little too often for me. Um, yeah. Even if you like spent like what it wants you to do, I think is probably go down like, you know, you're meant to like appreciate it more every time you go down one of the rabbit holes that dangles in front of you. But I think it's just too much, and you know, a couple of those things ring like a little like pretentious to me too, like artist stuff, and I don't know. It didn't, sure. Not the thing. It just didn't come together in the way as a complete piece like an inherent vice might have yeah i think i understand that perspective but i think uh for me i kind of like uh sometimes uh i kind of like when movies kind of just keep throwing things at you to kind of just keep you off guard because i think that kind of helps get you kind of in that same feeling that the character is supposed to have where it's just an overwhelming amount of stuff like you know what we know is like a drop in an ocean, you know, what we know is a drop and the world is an ocean and just or, like how or a, overwhelming. Or a, or a silver lake. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, but there are so many things that like, like happen once and come back randomly and that doesn't make any sense, but it's all kind of like, I think supposed to give you this kind of feeling of like overwhelmedness and like, cause a lot of the images that we see early on in the movie are repeated later for no discernible reason other than, maybe it's supposed to kind of like put us in the shoes of this protagonist who's seeing things everywhere. He's always looking for codes. He's always looking for meanings and connections. And like, there's no reason that the daughter, that woman character who ends up getting shot in the silver lake should end up looking like that uh, woman that he first jacked off to or anything, but like that's in there. And like, there's all sorts of like weird recurring, like surreal things happening. And I think that in that way, it reminds me a bit of, like yeah like something like from lynch where it's these like things are supposed to give you like weird give you sensations rather than have like yeah um actual concrete meaning and yeah. i i, and I appreciate of, I, I appreciate that yeah i appreciate that as like conceptually but 
mm-hmm. the movie doesn't doesn't like hit those notes all the time for me the way like I a mean, third season I mean, of Twin Peaks would. I don't know. Like I I appreciate again like a lot of the artistry and the ambition here, but I don't know if I'd trust if I'd trust him to direct like a slow zoom in on a nuclear bomb, you know, and make it engaging. Yeah. Because it's a, I feel like it's there's still like like I'm looking. It's a point where I'm like looking forward to a to another feature to see where where sort of the interests lead. But I have I'm not like sold on the on the art tourship just yet. Sure. One other thing I wanted to point out with regards to the maybe being like one too many things flying around. Sort of mm-hmm. there seems to be something wanted to be said about sort of like the treatment of women in like these sorts of industries and the arts industries and just in general, especially like yeah. in media and pop culture. And I'm not quite sure they make a point there either, you know, other than like the I would surface disagree with level. You on that one. I feel I feel like they're trying to go for something quite, you know, in depth where even with the protagonist who's yeah so fond of like ogling, stalking. Yeah. And then just sort of tossing like for instance look what happened to his girlfriend slash fuck buddy like she disappears like halfway through the movie we never see we never hear from her again well yeah that's because he goes on about how he thinks that some woman on a game show is like looking in different directions and there's a code and she like visibly gets uncomfortable and leaves Mm -hmm. for the rest of the movie like that's That's true crazy that's true but it's like i feel like there's just never uh i I think i would disagree with you on that one because i think like that's not the message that like that's not the subject of the movie right? It seems it's more like about these rich guys and what they're up to and what's going on with that. But I think the, I think the biggest theme of the movie is how Hollywood like chews up these women and spits them out. You know, I think that's really what it's mostly about because, but, but it's told from a perspective of this, like clearly like very, like he's not going to go around like beating women. He beat up little kids, which was, yeah, that uh, was disturbing. That was a scene. Um, and he like forced an egg down the mouth of one of them. Yeah, that was pretty disturbing. Yeah, but like he is he his kind of like misogyny or whatever is that he's like constantly just constantly objectifying women, like like he's just like staring at asses, looking at tits, hooking up with women. Like and how does he get them? Stalking. If he's supposed to be such a loser, why does it work for him so much? <laughs> because he's just <laughs> everyone fucks him. And it's weird. He's not that hot. They really he's do their weird. best to make him look shaggy and like. He shows up in all these like lame, shaggy outfits and all these glitzy parties and balloon girls like, all like almost famous. And she's like, "We should fuck." Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. But that's the thing, like, the whole idea is that like he's like he's like kind of a piece of shit. But I think he's still like Andrew Garfield is supposed to be like a hot actor. Like I don't whatever. And like, like chases. I wrote down at one point, you know, after that party, after he's like tripped too hard and he sees that yeah. that one that one yet another one of the blonde girls. And he yeah. starts like chasing her out of the party and like through a cemetery. I'm like, <laughs> I was writing like, do not chase women through cemeteries. Yeah, well, I that's think a that's a bad I think, idea. <laughs> I think the whole idea that like that the treatment of women in the Hollywood industry is like more at the forefront because it's it's in like pretty much everything. The main character's treatment of all the people around him, his weird obsession with that girl who goes missing, which I think is capped really nicely at the end because like it's pretty obvious this guy kind of sucks. But like at the very end, when he finally gets on the phone with Sarah, uh, he's like, I've been looking all over for you. And she's like, why the fuck are you? Have you been? Yeah. Like, right. You don't know. You, you don't, don't even know, know me. me. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I feel like that is like, like that really caps off his whole like stalker research. Yeah. Like he does like, this is, this is super weird. Like, yeah, sure. All the stuff he found is crazy, but like, 
kind of a weird fucking thing to do. Like, really, who should have found it all out was that fucking weirdo who had like who wrote the zines. Because that would have been he, that would have been that was his path. He doesn't give a shit about no. women. He's like a weirdo who just clicks. That was like, meant to be his 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 story. Exactly. But then there's like that scene where he's walking through the neighborhood and like there's all these women all in the same outfit like walking through the streets for like a fucking like uh like a- audition with some like fat guy in a garage. <laughs> that was like, that was funny. Yeah. Yeah, and like all these women are being like literally sacrificed for like the <laughs> the rich men in Hollywood and like it's kind of like, you know, echoing mm-hmm. that whole Harvey Weinstein, all the abuse in it that like it's all these like men who are just like like using up these women and all they're there is for like they're there as sex objects. All these women that he ends up interacting with are hookers who are like, you want to have sex with like a movie star? Like they're all yeah, there. Even even that like, one that one like short haired girl that he makes a connection with, like he still yeah. has to like pay. He has to pay it as like, you know. But he also has exactly. lots of free sex in this movie. <laughs> including with the yeah. old lady across from him. You know, to a point as you said, I just I didn't I didn't I didn't quite find that it was like coming to its I like I understand I, I understand say... where the lens is on mm-hmm. the protagonist, the ogler, but I don't know if it like makes I don't know. For me it didn't make maybe quite the right effort in Yeah. Not that I, I think... need him to be righteous or anything, far from that. I just character arc, narratively speaking, didn't quite tie for me in the way that I would have preferred. I don't know what I was hoping for, but just when you get yeah. down such a that convoluted um spiral of craziness i was all i didn't want it i didn't want it to be tied together but i wanted something that like yeah that felt to me like was the responsibly like irresponsible and messy ending it just wasn't the right messy ending i guess for me i don't know about i don't know what you feel about this about the about the big scene here where he finds the uh, the king of pop music not the king of what were your what were your feelings about that scene I think I just want to, I want to have, say, one last thought about your idea that it didn't tie all together with the sure. women thing. I think, I think the fact... Wait, what about uh, tying together women? <laughs> this movie, uh, literally, <laughs> trapping them underground with men uh, that yeah. they have to have sex with. Yeah. Um, also, no, I'll get to that later. You go. <laughs> yeah, so I would say that, like, I see that, like, it doesn't look like it had a cohesive thing, but I think it's kind of put in there intentionally not in the forefront because it's supposed to be like, because that is like part of what Hollywood is and like what, oh, no, I totally, are, no, like, I totally agree about that, about the function. Yeah. yeah about the like, method. I think, I think that's, I think that's an intentional choice that I think is a cool way of doing it. Maybe it could have been more um, like synthesized, but I think the choice to put it in the background and the way to tie it up, I think made its point really well because yeah. like even, I, I just think, I, I, I think it, worked well for me but i can see people yeah. not thinking i guess it went i guess far enough or yeah. to go too no far, i agree that it that like the that. way that it i agree of, of, as to the method of keeping it in like intentionally sort of in the periphery or not in, but in sort of the corners of the frame so to speak but the yeah because we're so glued to garfield's journey other than i just thought of the cat when you said that <laughs> yeah he's looking uh, for lasagna he's looking for lasagna i mean kind of with just with breasts and uh yeah exactly he, i was like if you could yeah. stick your dick in lasagna yes this oh is he the, would oh he would i but know he fucking ah oh, dude there was that one scene where he was he like 
arrayed out all of the things and then just like started jacking off over i don't know man i know it was like so horny it was just he was so fucking like horny and stupid and that's well it's funny because when he when he is actually having sex in that first scene with the girlfriend hookup person all they can really do is like they're already in a sexual position that well you know many find a pleasurable position is like not exactly like what you do for private prime intimacy right so they're, yeah. they're doing this doggy and all they can do is watch like the news, like their attention is just drawn to the, you can't focus on actually being in the sexual experience. Yeah. Which is, I think you know, highlighted throughout. Cause you know, he goes, when he's jerking off, he's looking at, you know, his dad's fucking, you know, porno mag, yeah. porno mag from like the eighties or some shit. You know, it's not, he's not, exa- it's not like he's like flipping through pictures of people he knows, you know, he's like, it's like only strangers, which is yeah, why I guess blonde. Yeah, like it's like so the only person yeah. he actually makes any real connection with is the is the girl who disappears. Which yeah, because you know you could argue is the is, through line of the whole movie, right? Of he's the insatiable. Drive. The whole yeah. point is that he's insatiable. Nothing's good enough for him. He's always looking for something else. He's looking yeah. for something he can't have. That's why he's into these codes. That's why he's not into the women who can he can actually sleep with. He's right. into so when he, what he has can't a, have when he has an real Ian actually like. <laughs> <laughs> so when he has an experience that's actually like that sort of tangible feeling, he'll like cross the the threshold yeah. of like of his like mopey laziness. But um I feel like because we're <laughs> really? so just being stuck with him the whole time is like yeah. a little bit exhausting. Like to he fulfill, does he, like, to fulfill he this message like, of the periphery, which I'm again I'm totally fine with. But to fill yeah. that message of the periphery of like his and in the world's um relationship to the women, then like it just feels like there has to be something that happened that does not that happens, but some sort of yeah. consequence for something, not necess- even necessarily for him, but just like, there's just nothing that I don't know. I don't, and I don't know what that last sequence where he s- sleeps with the old woman is trying to tell me either. I haven't quite worked through that. Yeah. Is it meant to yeah, be that's, that's finally, interesting. is it meant to be that he is, you know, as insatiable as ever? To literally fuck every single one of his neighbors, regardless of age, or is it like is he supposed to have made some sort of progress because he's not just lusting after like you know the young hotties? Not that this old woman is yeah. like ugly or anything; she's pretty. She's in pretty good shape for. She's a, I I I think they would probably describe her as and, a milf, and, not yeah. a guilt, which might be. I mean, that's a bit much for me. Well, and he had no like, problem. He had no problem. Andrew Garfield her was either. in his thirties, so yeah. and it's not like he turned away from her with his binoculars when she's out topless either he's still lusted you know from a distance you know i don't really know what the old woman sex is trying to say yeah and then at the end he's like watching his apartment get like himself get evicted out of his apartment Mm -hmm. i will admit i really really thought the owl's kiss woman was going to come and like murder them both (laughs) and the fact they didn't is probably good it's probably better that way i was barely certain he was going to watch it happen from his um from his apartment <laughs> i'm glad it didn't happen but like i thought it was yeah gonna. yeah i didn't even think of that okay so we should probably before we wrap this up here we got to talk about the pulp pop culture man oh yeah super important big moment in the movie i didn't like <laughs> at all also if he must have had yeah. real faith in that sequence because writing that required probably half the movie's budget and song rights <laughs> as is evidenced later in the trailer <laughs> or later in the credits <laughs> ah speaking of songs we'll go through before like 20 we... songs yeah um 
Yeah, I think the the choice of the the that REM song they played mm-hmm. in the basement crypt room at that party was a sweet song, and yeah. I, I like it Very, a lot. Uh, and well, ties in really excellently actually to the to the narrative. It's kind of perfect actually. I forget what the what's the frequency, what's the, Kenneth. Yeah, it's basically the plot of the movie, right? But yeah, I'll play it in the I'll play it in the in the in the show good like this is still not talking about the guy and that stuff but i jesus and the brides of dracula yeah great i I, I was into it i thought that was awesome i thought that was the band concept is is like is pretty funny and sweet and like that's pretty awesome that's that's definitely like like the band name he just beats him up in the bathroom (laughs) is so good Yeah, that like on the I, toilet, he's like taking his shit, and he like beats the fuck out of him. So fucking that is, funny. That that like under the that boiling violence and anger from Garfield under the yeah. surface was like a nice. Yeah, that was a nice so, kind of like a similar extra scene bit of characterization. Kids. Yeah, like like Mac and Charlie style and all that. Yeah, that's all I can think of. <laughs> I just popped him. But the pop culture guy. Yeah, I felt like uh, a little too silly. I don't know, like. I'm for all the other mysticism. I'm for the I'm for the owl lady, cat owl lady thing, yeah. whatever it's called. I'm still here for like the pyramid conspiracy, and I'm f- you know I'm for all that all the sort of fable like elements. But that just like felt like too much. It felt like I don't know what I want to say about that exactly. Yeah, I think that was the one place where it kind of like kind of pushed it for me too. Like that's just kind of like excessive like you wake up sheeple kind of moment like also his house was like in this crazy weird like like painting valley like there was an establishing shot that looked very surreal and fake mm-hmm. uh, of like the house like in this, which like, must have been intentional right yeah it must have been intentional and it's kind of like why would it, it not seems be? like a fantasy element Get to the I, point I where i was yeah. like is this even meant to be real or are we supposed to like start to believe this guy is psychotic but the it was just a he bit. He doesn't even learn anything from it. He just like he just kills. He's him. like, you yeah. don't know shit. You everything. Your life is a fucking lie. You guys live meaning. You, all you little petty people consume shit that mm-hmm. like is useless and like pedantic yeah. and like you think it's whole part of your lives. And I think I think that's that was good for the tone to set up the next thing. But it that was like and that was very, already what like, we were. That was already what he was after, that right? That was already like right. his. That was already like his worst fear. So, so why, maybe so why realize that so maybe that's part of it because he he's out here thinking that like there's codes in like TV shows or like uh random like baseball signs are gonna lit up lit, light up numbers and mm-hmm. mean something but at the same time he like has idols and he has things he cares about and like he doesn't realize that trying to look too close into anything means means that like even like Kurt Cobain or like the things he thinks are authentic and real are also like everything's fake. Like he thinks everything is fake, and then when he realizes Except everything, for what like, he thinks everything, is everything is fake. It's like like he thinks he's superior for think for thinking everything is like hidden from him, but then he still like believes in things, and like that takes him down a peg and puts him in a place where he's like fucking. He is like fucking nuts, psychotic. Like everything, too much to process happens. I get the purpose of it, and I think it works well for that. But like to have him have written all of the pop songs, I mean, it could have just been he was a mm-hmm. ghostwriter for like some of them, and yeah. like Kurt Cobain specifically was one of them that had like message in it or something like mm-hmm. that. I just felt but, like, like even meeting him was like a cr- crossing like a boundary that that was. Too why early. should he get to meet him and also too, murder him? I also felt like it was like too early in the movie. It happens too yeah, it was, soon. Like, halfway through. 
No, it was more than that. It was like two thirds, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it felt like it felt like too soon. Like it was the wrong beat for that moment, and it felt like I don't know what we gained from it. Like it is and isn't it about just that, makes him but look more like an asshole than he was yeah, before. But his, but his again, his through line is 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 the woman. So yeah, and I guess he. It just feels like it feels too tangential to me, and it feels like it's like solving yeah, sort of a it's solving sort of an audience question like too soon and in the wrong way. Like the like the moment with the woman at the end is much more impactful because mm-hmm. she's been the one that's like set up as the as the object of not just intrigue but like carrying the whole burden of like the philosophy and like the and Garfield's character arc. So like I just don't see what what pop culture man brings. Um I think I would agree with that. I think I think that was probably the weakest part of all this. Just thought it was a distraction yeah. more than anything. Yeah, and I get I get what what purpose it kind of served for his character development or like where he was going, but I think that yeah, it didn't work as well as any of the other stuff in it. All right, do you have any notes to add before we wrap uh, up? Let me your review of Under the Silver Lake. Uh, Topher Grace is his stupid friend. Oh yeah, dude, I had a note about that's Topher. Yeah, how, it did, is. how did I miss that? Because he had a note black about hair Topher. and like a yeah, and the gla- and the shit. hat. I had a note. I had a yeah. note about Topher Grace's character, I and say, I have a note. Of, I I want to say something about that as well, and yeah. that is that. Uh, so he and his and he and the main character Garfield's character are like hanging out with a fucking drone to perv on so women. Like, fucking creepy. So I know. Fucking creepy. It's funny because I think that's another, just like another one of the things where all the men in Hollywood are here to object to women. That was one of the moments that worked better for me, actually, in that regard. Yeah. And I think I agree with that, too, because specifically Topher Grace's character talks about, like, I don't know, man, everybody's paranoid. Everybody thinks people are watching them all the time. Yeah. It's like so and stupid. And he's like, a drone, have a drone in somebody's window trying to spy on them. It's and then, and but that, that, that was a really, I think that was one of the most impactful moments in that sort of yeah in that sort of sub sphere of the objectifying women when he's like oh this this girl's like crazy she must be like a straight up model or something like she's always taking right and she like takes her shirt off and it's just got the bra on and he's like here we go and then she just like sits down and starts kind of weeping and that's like and they and just sort of just stare like, at it awkwardly like, yeah because yeah. they've because they've at least subconsciously just realized that they've just of like the true like if it's physical intrusion then they don't seem then they don't notice but as soon as it's like as soon as there's like a tangible emotional connection to the person it's like realize how real the person's life is they're spying on yeah you know there was so yeah exactly. that, that was a particularly interesting because they're you know it, i think that moment does a great job of just like having not being her story we have no idea what's just gone on in her day but you know yeah you know, it's one of those classic, like, it could be, there could be a movie about her day. So that was a pretty uh, gut-wrenching section there. Yeah, I think A that, lot, I like, a yeah. lot heavier than beating a man's head into a pulp with a guitar. I yeah. agree, and I think that did a, that was definitely one of the best parts where they were kind of examining, like, the whole, like, Hollywood treatment of women and this, like, objectification and misogyny. Yeah, and like, a great example yeah, of that, that exact dichotomy. It actually worked about. super well, yeah. yeah. My note about Topher Grace was fucking hate this man's blaney friend with a stupid hat. Why are they friends? Yeah, Topher Who is this Grace. Guy? Who is this guy? I can't believe that was Topher Grace. Topher Grace is classic. Making has having a resurgent career resurgence and starring in both like roles where he's like a terrible white man 
and yeah. also in Christian movies. Weird. Uh, um, that's the other thing. I want to touch on one other thing. Um, yeah. Jay, uh, Garfield's character, uh, when he goes, uh, when he, I don't know where it was he went to do this, but he pulled up in a handicapped parking spot, yeah. pulled out a handicapped yeah. parking yeah. sign, put yeah. it on his car, yeah. and like yeah. left. Yeah. And like, yeah. this guy has a fucking that, like fake handicapped parking that's, sign. That's such a good detail. Like, those are the movies, like, of course he's somebody that does. Like, yeah. That, that's just such a good detail. Like, those are the things that really kept me, like, entirely engaged in this. And last yeah, note, exactly. I w- last thing I had on my list that I wanted to mention that I wanted to make sure I get in is that the mom is excellent. Yeah. <laughs> the mom is great. Yeah, just we on only the phone. hear her that's, twice that's on perfect, the phone. Um, I definitely agree that 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 part of the movie, just her calling and being like, "How's it going, honey? Watch this movie." And he's like, fucking waking up, like passed out in a graveyard from doing too much like acid. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. "Yeah, it works fine." Like. So yeah. that's that stuff like that is so good she's like and is that weird was... for me to do and he's like no mom that's not weird <laughs> it's like one of his few moments of actual empathy too is talking to his mom even though he's like over it oh yeah also that scene where so there's just a lot of things that like kind of make make it clear that garfield's character fucking sucks like he also talks about how he hates the homeless <laughs> yeah for a while dude, dude he wrecks <laughs> the homeless he's like they see us walking around and living life and they're just fucking jealous man and you're like, bro <laughs> yeah like he like he's like hey i know this is unpopular but i hate the homeless i'm like oh my god <laughs> every single time this guy feels like he's the worst he becomes like a little bit worse it's it's honestly incredible they keep getting away with this it's, it's so funny yeah, and also like all the time like when people like talk to him about things he's like he like has the most lukewarm shitty takes like somebody's talking about how he's like wor- they're worried about death and he's like yeah everyone dies it just happened like like oh like so but, i mean the only time the only time he has any actual empathy i think is, i think are those phone calls with his mom he doesn't he doesn't like tell her off or anything even though she's talking nonsense yeah okay i think that's i think we've talked about like a lot there's a lot in this movie there's, there's a, lot a lot to talk, talk about. about yeah i think and, we did a pretty thorough job there yeah i think um yeah it's a movie with a lot of stuff in it and like some of it works some of it doesn't but i think i i would say my main takeaway is like this is one of the most interesting modern movies i've seen like there was like a lot going on and like i appreciate like the fact that i actually had to like follow things and like didn't hold my hand and just for that experience i enjoyed it um the content itself um was kind of all over the place but it was definitely more interesting just in general conceptually than a lot of i would say movies that were coming out in the last couple of years so that's yeah. cool I think. A, lot of, a lot of talent there look forward mm-hmm. to the next thing 